Mark your calendar for ICMA's free 2018 coaching webinars. This is every local government management professional's opportunity to build a common knowledge base, spark new ideas and solutions to community-specific problems, and foster motivated change throughout their organization and community. Learn more and sign up by visiting us at icma.org coaching. Welcome to United Front, a special season of Local Gov Life. I'm your host, Erica White. This season, we're celebrating women. Women who have not only earned the respect and recognition of their peers by achieving the role of Chief Administrative Officer, but also women who have been selected as their community's first female manager. Listen along with us as we celebrate the triumphs and contributions of six women CAOs who are breaking down many of the barriers they contend with in today's local government profession. My guest today is Gina Holt, City Manager of Springfield, Tennessee. Gina, thank you so much for being with us today. Let's start by learning a little more about you. What inspired you to become a city manager and how did you get to where you are today? It was almost by accident because I was working in the private sector and I just happened to see a job announcement for someone with experience in budgeting, government, and personnel. And I had all three, so I thought, I'll check it out and see. It was a local government here. It was Springfield, Tennessee. That was 20 plus years ago, and there was actually no turning back once I got into it. So it was not by design. It was actually that ad. What about the public sector was appealing to you? I could help people. Local government at the level people you know, you can make a difference in their lives. You've been with Springfield since 1990, starting out as the assistant city manager. Yes, we don't. We try not to think about that. (laughs) You have been with the city and with one city for a very long time. How have you seen the role of women in local government change over the course of your time there? When I started back in 1990, I was the only female and I was working with probably 18 or 19 men. And that includes the elected officials, the department heads, the city attorney, the city manager. So it was just all these guys and myself. So that was a real challenge because I had not been in that situation before. Of course, now I'm the first female city manager. We have our first female mayor. She was elected last year. We have a female city attorney, a female chamber director, And for a while, last two years, we had a female chairman of the school board. So things have changed drastically in that period of time. That's an amazing turnaround. Yes, it is. It really is to go from almost one extreme to the other. Has your jurisdiction done anything proactive to try and make this change? I don't think that anything was actively done. I think it just all happened, and I think it was because the women in these positions were involved in the community. They were well-known. Maybe some people wanted to see a little bit different direction in the government. It just sort of evolved, which is great because I hadn't really stopped to look at it until started thinking about this interview and thought, boy, we have, we have done a lot. At times, if I think we haven't done so much, but go back and look at that 27, 28 years, yes, we've done quite well. So I'm proud of it. (laughs) At one point when uh, you were the assistant city manager, you applied for the Springfield city manager, but you removed your name from the list of applicants and announced you (laughs) wanted to retain your position as assistant. Why did you have a change of heart at the time? 
I was doing two jobs, the assistant city manager and the city manager. So I'm just working all the time. The elected officials, we had some new members on the board, and they were very, very divided. It was hard for them to make a decision. Now, this is pretty common in most places, but they just were not getting things done. And I got frustrated, I think, working so hard. And what really changed it is I made some recommendations, and I told the board, you know, you need to try to work together. And so when I made some recommendations, they pretty much agreed. So it naturally turned out that, sure, I was interested. So, I mean, we started doing a strategic planning session and study sessions and more communication, simple things like that, but things that hadn't been done. And that made a big difference, the fact that they were willing to try. How do you see the fundamental differences between the assistant city manager and the city manager roles? For me, and of course, I am the only assistant city manager this city's had. (laughs) So as far as how I was in the role, the assistant city manager is more behind the scenes. And the city manager is more of the out front person, the public figure. I, as the assistant city manager, manage employees, departments, and the city manager is more of the visionary guiding the board of mayor and aldermen, selling ideas. To me, there was a pretty big difference. And now that I'm in the top spot and I have a new assistant city manager coming in, I will have more time to do the things that I think I need to do as far as the guidance and the leading the board in the community. So right now you're still doing both roles? It's been one year next week. Oh, my God. Congratulations on making it through. Making it. If somebody had told me last year, I don't know that that it would be this long, I probably wouldn't have made it. But I was the interim, of course, and then I was appointed city manager August 30th of last year. And then it took a while to go through the search for the assistant city manager. So in the private sector, it wouldn't have taken that long. (laughs) But in the public sector, it does take a little bit longer. What are you excited about now that you finally are just about to be only the city manager? The fact that decisions I make will make a difference. Even though we're a relatively small town, we have our own utilities, electric, gas, water, sewer, stormwater, things that a city our size normally doesn't have. And we've got a lot of projects, a lot of capital projects with all of those departments. But what's exciting is I'm in Middle Tennessee. I'm a neighbor to Nashville. Nashville has exploded in the last few years. There's so much going on. And so we are getting some of that growth. Things are beginning to take off. And so what's exciting here is that we have been planning a little bit over the years, knowing this day would come and it's gradually coming. That to me is really exciting. And then all the challenges we have as far as keeping up to date, new ways to deliver services. It is an exciting time because I feel like everything is just wide open as far as what we can do. We don't have to do things the way they've always been done before. You've also had a long career in the federal government. You were office manager for Senator Howard Bacon in Washington, D.C., And you were the personal assistant to David Stockman in the Office of Management and Budget during the Reagan administration. What was it like to be a woman in those federal positions at that time? Of course, that was a long time ago, back in the 70s and early 80s. However, I have to say that starting with my time in Washington, I felt that I was always respected as long as I stood firm, you know, on my opinions and beliefs. 
Senator Howard Baker, he was the senator, and then he became the minority leader while I was working for him. Then he became the majority leader. Even back in the 70s, his top position at the time was a female, which was rare because most of those top administrative positions back then were were definitely male-dominated. There were a lot of females in Washington in different roles. I really never thought that much about it. Now, when I moved to Springfield, which is the first time I'd lived in a small town, it was a little different. Even though it was in the 90s, I learned that I really had to earn respect first. When I was working with 18 or 19 of these men, and I was the only female, there were times that I would get asked to make the coffee (laughs) or to type up a report And I said, are you asking me because I am the only female in the room? (laughs) And then you could hear the giant sucking sound from everybody. And one of the guys jumped up and said, I'll do it. And I never had that problem again. (laughs) A challenge for many women these days is with something called the confidence gap. For example, women may take on responsibilities like getting the coffee when it's not part of their job, where a man might say, no way, get your own cup of coffee. Do you believe that this gap still exists today? And if so, how do you feel women who may not have that confidence innately bridge this confidence gap? That confidence gap exists. And I thought it was interesting yesterday, I got a magazine And it was talking about women and investing and how there is the investing gap. Women have like 71% of their investments in cash where men hold back 60 and invest the rest. So it went right along with everything that we've been talking about. Women just need to think more positively of their strengths and just go for it and get out there and aim high. And instead of the confidence gap, they're calling it the investing gap. And over time, women actually do better when they invest, but they're just not as likely to take those risks. And over time, they would be a million dollars less in investments than their male counterparts. Have you ever struggled with the confidence gap in your own career? Back in the early 90s, I had been with the city for a couple of years, and I ended up as the interim city manager at that time. And I know that I had a pretty good chance for that top spot back then, but I felt like I wasn't quite qualified because I only had three to four years. Well, a guy would have had no problem with that, and he would have jumped in there and said, sure, and go for it. At the time, I did not have the confidence, even though I had several aldermen say, you would be great. I think that women have more of a tendency, especially when they're younger with families. They put families first, and there's nothing wrong with that, but sometimes they feel guilty. They're not as assertive in asking for raises, promotions, but we can, and we need to get over that (laughs) because we usually do better, and if we, we just need to aim higher and take those chances. Especially for my age, you know, the ones that are more seasoned in their positions, back when we first started out, women were not expected as much to get into the top spots. We didn't expect it. We didn't ask for it. But you don't get what you don't ask for. What steps can women take to break through to those top jobs if they're not there yet? Women don't network. 
They don't mentor as much. That really holds women back because men are all over that. I mean, they do it all the time. Therefore, when they have these connections, when there are positions, they know about it and they're able to just jump right in. Who inspired you or mentored you along the way? It's mostly been the other city managers around the state of Tennessee. We have a very good association and I've been in that association for a long time. They have been amazingly supportive, encouraged. I wouldn't be here without them. Is there any advice that a manager or a mentor gave you that sticks with you today or really helped you move on to a new level? More a compilation of what different people have said. And that's just to work very hard to be fair, really listen to what people are saying. And one thing that women do that men are not as prone to do is show that we care. People say, show you care. I mean, really mean it. For the young women out there who are looking for a mentor, how can somebody go about finding one and how do you ask somebody to be your mentor, maybe if you don't know them very well? Go for it. A guy wouldn't hesitate to ask someone that they admired or thought was doing real well. Ask. Talk to them. Have a meeting and see if they could come up with some suggestions and ideas. We have in our state association student members from the colleges that come to our conferences. Get in touch with an association like that. And again, the networking. Start early, get involved in school, get involved in your church and your community, volunteer to lead. And that way you can make those connections. What is the most important strength that women can bring to the profession? Intuition. It's always been laughed at kind of that women are more intuitive than men, but I think that's a strength and there's nothing wrong with that. And commitment to what we do, whatever it is, whether it's in our family life or work. What kind of advice might you give a woman who is just embarking on her first leadership role? Stick with it, stay committed and work through it and it will be okay. It makes you tougher when you come out on the other side. What do you think is the most significant barrier to female leadership now? Probably just the opportunities. <laughs> Men still outnumber by a large majority all these major positions. Women are just under the notch lower than department heads and assistants. The barrier, I guess, would be that women don't have strong networking and mentoring well, they, they could, but they're just not using those. And that, that would definitely lead to those top jobs. Can you recall a time when you felt challenged or discouraged because of your gender in the workplace? Obviously, I've felt challenged or discouraged, but not because of my gender. Every time that's happened, I've always just pushed through it because I'm hardworking and determined and not going to let anything get to me. What is exciting you about the profession right now? Technology is changing all the time. There are different ways that we can deliver services. It's something new every day. It never gets dull. Sometimes I, I wish it would a little bit. There are more opportunities now, I think, more ways to reach efficiencies or more ways to communicate. It's exciting because I just feel like the door's wide open. To me, you don't have that in the private sector. In celebration of women and coinciding with this podcast, ICMA is asking people to use the hashtag SheLeadsGov on social media and tell us who they think the groundbreaking women are in the local government profession. Who is that to you? 
in the local government profession, it would be the first female president that we had for the Tennessee City Management Association. She was president 10 years before I was. <laughs> when I was first came on as assistant city manager, she was already a city manager in East Tennessee, and everybody liked her. She was very personable. She was very active in ICMA. I looked up to her and thought, you know, that could be me in a few years. And then I became the second female president of the state association. Her name's Cindy Cameron Ogle. That's our show for today. Thanks for listening. And thanks again to Gina for a great conversation and some excellent insights. After you hear each of the stories in United Front this season, join the conversation on social media. Look for the hashtag and Twitter handle, SheLeadsGov, and use it to share stories about the groundbreaking women in local government that you know. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to our podcast channel and catch up on all seasons of Local Gov Life at icma.org slash podcasts. Also, please share on social media and tell a friend about us. Thanks for listening to United Front, a special season of ICMA's Local Gov Life. <laughs>